0: spread hope, and inspire compassion toward those hurting. Lastly, by providing my heart with ears and this platform, grievers have the opportunity to share their wisdom and stories of loss and resiliency. How about we talk about grief like we talk about the weather? Let's get started. So today on the podcast is my first interview, and I am so pleased to have Patsy join me today to share her grieving voice and her grieving story. So thank you so much for
1: being my first
0: Patsy on here. And
1: I am honored, Victoria. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We kind of were chatting earlier about the different grief scenarios that you've experienced in your life. Mm-hmm. We're just going to dive right in. <laughs>
1: um, I love it. Let's go. So Why wait.
0: <laughs> first of all, tell us when your grieving story first really began for you.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, so I would say the the intensity of the grief I've experienced really has been in the last couple of years so when i was younger it's not so when i prior to meeting you victoria really i would have only associated the term grief with a loss like the death loss probably like in my younger years um i really had sort of this idealistic upbringing. And I, I did not experience a whole heck of a lot of adversity in an intense way. Like, yes, we all experienced change. And there were a lot of mini moments as I reflect back now that I would now label as grief. Uh, like I was experiencing grief at the time, but I didn't know it. Um, and my grandfather, um, my mom, my mom's dad passed away when I was a junior in high school and I was very close to him. I had lost, um, my dad's dad had passed when I was just five years old and we didn't spend a lot of time with them on a yearly basis. It was more of like a yearly annual visit, um, to see all my dad's family and cousins and that sort of thing. So I didn't have a very strong relationship with that grand, my paternal grandfather. Um, and I was five, so didn't fully ex like, I remember, I remember experiencing my parents' grief around that, or just sort of questioning, like, what is this emotion? What is this energy? I didn't have the language for it then, but this new energy that was sort of present in our home during that loss. Um, and my parents had gone away um, to, to see him in his final days, really what's what I later learned, right? But I didn't really have that awareness at the time. And so then I would say my first really significant loss was my, um, in the definition of grief as relating to death, was my grandfather who passed when I was a junior in high school. And then now I'm 35 years old and in the last two years, I've experienced just this tremendous flood of loss and change. Um, And really it started um, learning uh, about a a high school classmate who had passed unexpectedly in his sleep at 33 years old um, from a heart attack. And he was the type of person who just made you feel like he's known you forever, just had an amazing outlook on life, really was creating a life that he loved and living a life that he loved and had this energy about him even back then um, that made you feel really seen and heard and celebrated. And I admired him. And even though I hadn't seen him in many years, hearing about that loss really struck something in me Um, and so started actually like really making me question, you know, if I weren't to wake up tomorrow, would I be satisfied with the life I'm living? Would I, would I, you know, go to the other side or whatever that <laughs> may be? Um, feeling like really pleased with how I've, I've been living a month later, uh, we received no uh, notice that my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And it was a month in waiting that we then learned it was stage four, it was terminal, it had metastasized to all these other organs. And he was um, given about a year um, to live. And so in that, I say that's where like death really entered the room, like made its presence known. And I continued that line of self-questioning So death really helped me really reevaluate how I was living. And in that, it's sort of like this, you know, you pull the string of the sweater and the whole sweater (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I That led to a series of conversations with my then husband that illuminated, you know, some real, we had some real deep honest conversations about the reality of our marriage and how we just wanted different things in life. And we weren't actively creating a life together. We were still sort of, we were living in the same house, you know, and had had fun together, but there wasn't a true, like deep solid foundation to build a life upon together. And death really invited us to look at that and make some decisions about how we wanted to move forward. And ultimately we decided to separate. So then there was change and loss in that. <laughs> And as my dad's health started to decline over that course of the year, I, again, like in my change of moving house and reevaluating, getting back on my feet and all this, that, and the other, it helped me to reevaluate my business and how that was running. And I, it became really clear that I was, I was not setting myself up for this sustainable growth. I was feeling burnt out the, the sort of vision of the heart of it all wasn't matching the execution of it. I had sort of backed myself into this corner and I was like, this isn't even what I want. <laughs> so that evolved and uh, like I had two businesses and sort of ran or uh, what would I say, merged the one with the other. I had two business partners um, that I was working with and that was an amazing transition at the time. And I felt very supported in that. And then flash for my dad ended up passing in June of last year. And, and so there was this whole new, just like way of being on my own. Cause at that point I was no longer living with my ex. Like there was so much motion and movement and change throughout all of that. Um, and I just kept putting one step forward <laughs> in front of the other and then Flash forward to this, the start of this year and experiencing this global pandemic that we're all in and reevaluating again, where does, you know, how do I want to align my values with my business and my life and what I'm creating? And that second business, we made a decision uh, to sunset. And so I don't know how to say that in a more succinct way, but there's been a heck of a lot of grief in the last year to year and a half. Um, and I've been doing a lot of unraveling with that.
0: Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, I want to go back first to, to actually your first loss Mm -hmm. as a child. Um, Mm. you know, that's 10, that's Mm -hmm. where we often need to start really when we start processing loss because it, Grief is cumulative, and it's cumulatively negative.
1: It is. And That's so sure.
0: as a child, when you lost, had that loss as a five-year-old, I'm just curious, and for our listeners as well, because we often don't make that connection of mm. what we are allowed or not allowed to express around yeah. grief. How did your parents seem to view your put your relationship with that grandfather? And did they address how maybe you were possibly grieving?
1: No, I wouldn't say that. I don't think they were really conscious of it. Um, And that's where there's sort of this like fogginess for me around that loss. Like I don't, I don't really remember processing it, only being more aware of what their emotions were and feeling like I must be present for that or not ask any questions or be too inquisitive about it. It was sort of, it was shared. I witnessed my dad cry. That was a first for sure. Um, He was not a very emotional, he was an emotional guy, but he hid it. You know what I mean? He, he never expressed his emotions openly. And I, I, I guess I would describe that now as just sort of like, I was confused more than anything. There wasn't a conversation really even about death or um, I mean, they explained what it is, but I don't think there was active continual conversations about it.
0: I think we can all agree that when there is like heavy grief within a household, within a home, that it
1: creates ripples. Right. Can, oh, we can agree on t- that. Correct, right. <laughs> One. One thousand percent. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. As a witness to grief as a young mm-hmm. child, mm-hmm. even just the idea of not having the language around that, or be given yeah. the language, or be totally inclusion.
1: Yeah. Oh what, gosh. Yeah.
0: Of what your parents themselves were feeling, were
1: going through, or explaining. Right. And like, I had no history of my dad's relationship with his dad either. Right. I'm like, I, I only know of him when I see him, when I go to visit, like there, if you think about it now to my brain at that moment in time, there was really no context or, yeah, that inclusion piece would have been so helpful.
0: I'm curious too, like. In the years that followed, maybe five, six, seven years that followed after that, was it a topic that was ever discussed? Like, was I there? I
1: honestly don't remember it being discussed or even an honoring of him, right? Okay. Like, I feel more of a connection to the honoring. Now, granted, I was older. I was a junior in high school when my second grandfather passed away, and I was much closer to him, you know, just because we lived next door to him. But there was more of a process around the honoring. I do not remember attending. I I, I guess I didn't. I didn't attend my paternal grandfather's funeral. Like I had no, I had I had no idea of what even sort of ritual can or, you know, honoring could have could happen around a death, around a loss like that. Until, you know, you hear about it, you watch it on the movie, you consume in other ways. People around you have deaths or losses and things that you're exposed to but hadn't experienced yourself like the first funeral i think i attended was probably around the same time frame that i lost my maternal grandfather so i'm
0: curious when you look in hindsight yeah the contrast between that first loss as a ch- young child to mm-hmm. where you're a junior in high school was there a change or was there more of a communication with how you were feeling Yes. Later in life as opposed to
1: when yes. you were a child. Definitely. Definitely. Um, and I remember the minister of our church came over and uh, we had like a family meeting. It was definitely inclusive. So when they talked about how they were going to present, what they were going to do, what kind of the service were they going to have, all of that was the whole family was involved and she, and she really led that meeting. So I am grateful to her for that. I don't think she realizes and I, until this moment, I probably hadn't even put it all together, but she, she helped to almost emulate how those conversations can go. Right. Cause she was leading it and she asked each individual grandchild, like, what was you, what would you like to call out in memory of around your grandfather? What's a specific memory you want to share or, you know, that kind of thing which was really nice. And I think then, right, the accumulation of that experience sort of, it just, it the other first experience feels foggy because I had a new refreshed experience um, of loss of my grandfather. And in the honoring, because we gathered so frequently as a family, there was more of an honoring around um, each first of that first year, right? So it was like, his birthday, his like our gathering as a family of like, Oh, this is the first time he won't be here with us for Thanksgiving, or he won't be here with us for Christmas. Or there was more of just like a remembrance and honoring of him throughout those family gatherings, which I didn't experience in the last, like in my first loss.
0: Do you think, I mean, looking back now too, do you think that there was a difference in relationship that may have influenced how one death was handled versus the other
1: in some ways. Yes, but I, uh, yeah, I do. Um, And it wasn't that we weren't close with our, you know, my dad's side of the family. It was just a proximity thing from like, they were in New Jersey, we were in Maine. So it was like less frequent that we were seeing them. I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel, I wouldn't describe it as like feeling less loved by them or anything like that. We always had just a blast when we were all together, but I think because I was, and my brother was really like a brand new baby pretty much. Um, When that loss happened, I don't know if it was because of my age that they just thought, well, like we're protecting her, but I, I don't, I feel like that would have been such an awesome learning opportunity to talk about death.
0: Right. And that's the, that's kind of why I'm really kind of drilling this point in I love it. the childhood I mean, experience because yeah. we, we learn seventy-five percent of how in that first we will process grief and learn about grief and how we'll deal with it for the rest of our life by before we're age seven or eight. Yeah. By the time we're yeah. age eight. Yep. Yeah. Um and so those first years are the most influential on us mm-hmm. in terms of how we process our feelings. Or
1: don't So there wasn't a whole heck of a lot of processing. (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I think I felt, I kind of felt, it felt foreign. It felt, it didn't feel, it obviously didn't feel like safe to inquire about. It felt a little scared because of the unknown of it. It was like they they went away for four or five days, came back, and then I remember it being like Papa Darp passed away. Like, I don't think I even knew he was sick, hmm. you know, yeah. because our, again, our inter, now we talk about our family and other updates all the time. And I have my own relationships with my aunts and uncles, my dad's siblings and my cousins and all of that. But like, there was never, I don't remember a conversation about, cause they were probably talking about it when I went to bed or whatever. Like, I don't remember even overhearing like Papa Darb is sick and this can, you know, like there was no There was no context or heads up like this is a possibility, you know, or even when they were leaving, I didn't know why they left.
0: Which, and that's, this isn't unusual. No. And so this is where this educational piece comes in for you parents who are listening, who have a child (laughs) who has gone through or is going through a grieving experience This is why it's so important that we have an awareness around that children grieve too. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's just as important to tell the emotional truth about yourself to your child so that you emulate that example of what it means to share our emotional truth and getting the conversation going around what that child may be feeling. Mm -hmm. because what is not a big deal to us adults like we a child can be making the biggest deal about something and to us it's like what is the big deal like right you know and to the child it's like it's not even usually about the thing we think it's about no right you know for example (laughs) there's there's a story (laughs) I heard there was a child whose grandpa father had passed away but they would plant flowers every year mm-hmm. and every year they would watch these flowers bloom mm-hmm. and the grandfather passed away bef- after bef- they had planted flowers but mm-hmm. he passed away before they saw them bloom mm-hmm. and the house was sold and this oh, child was so heart. upset that he wasn't going to see their flowers bloom. Mm-hmm. But they didn't, you know, nobody made the connection that, you know, what's the big deal with the flowers? And it was that the grandfather said, we will see these bloom. Bloom, yeah. Like it was their shared experience.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: Once the parents had this awareness about it and discussed like, right. right, And how can we address this? How can, how can we help you? And they realized, well, dig up the flowers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Bring them to our our new home and plant them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's beautiful. But it's true. And and then as a child, if you don't have the language for it, you can see how quickly and easily that gets brushed under the rug, doesn't get addressed again, you know, can come up. Like you said, I love the way you phrase, like it's cumulative. And if you're not aware of what's under the surface, you know, that can really impact. I mean, what,
0: what we don't see. It's what What we don't don't see see. and what we sweep to the side within us, right? I want to make a point, too, and bring up, um, you talked about alignment and, Mm. you know, emotional truth um, Mm. and how you had this awareness around you weren't really living in alignment. So grief kind of was that door that opened that
1: awareness
0: to you, right?
1: It did. It really did, which is fascinating to me because I had been actively working toward building a life of alignment for years, a good number of years. But, you know, I know, I, I feel like if I were to put the word death out there, it's often like associated with heaviness, right? There's like, I think societally there is a, like a negative connotation about it. And that could just be my own perception, but it, it, there's a feeling around it. That's it's sort of this, this thing that like we don't talk about and um, it's shocking to us when it arrives. And it's like, it's just this dance of strangeness around. death.
0: Mm-hmm. We're immortal. <laughs> we look but at it like, like we're immortal.
1: And, and the thing that the only effing guarantee that we have in the human experience is death like that that's the one guarantee and i it is shocking to me that like we forget that instantly like we have to remind ourselves of it minute to minute sort of thing right and but what's so cool about it is that it is this extreme clarifier like when you take any decision you have to make <laughs> and put that up against like death like time right this is another thing so Death is associated with time. How much time do you have? I mean, the conversation I could go on to, we could have a whole podcast episode about time and waiting. Like when you are diagnosed with something, how much time do you have? You know, how is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? Death is inevitable. It's been, it has been, you know, stated, galvanized now. It's, you have only an, you know, a a finite amount of time left. How are you going to use your time? And so that sort of invitation, To evaluate that really clicked everything into place for me. And I know, I mean, our journeys here are are constantly evolving. We're learning, we're growing, right? But that was no doubt a catalyst for all the other change I saw um, in the last year and a half. And now, if I think back, I can easily get my body to that place of like tension that I felt and misalignment that I was living and that just like low level thing that it's like a feeling. It's intangible. It's just this low level hum, I guess. Mm. It's not quite right. But I didn't have enough data to even know what to change until death entered the room. And it's amazing to me how, because I've had that experience and come through it, that continues to be uh, a filter for me when I'm making even small decisions, really. Because I guess for me, the alignment factor, if I'm living in alignment with, with my truth, then at the end of the day, no matter when I go, Like I can feel that level of satisfaction I started questioning. Like, yes, there are so much more things I want to do here. So much more I want to experience in this lifetime. So much more I want to create um, and just like fully live. I think that was another thing. Like there was this energy within my relationship. I would have described it as fine. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine and I were talking about that the other night and I was like, but fine isn't living to me. Like, Fine is fine. Fine is monotone. Fine is going through the motions. It's not experiencing the highs and lows of life, like truly embracing them, like sort of what can I learn from them? All of those things. I was doing that in my own way, but within the context of my marriage, within my partnership, it was there. It It fell flat. It felt flat. And I'm like, whatever happens on the other side of whenever we die, like, that's a whole other topic too. But if I get to that place, like I want to feel like I really like enjoyed this lifetime that I experienced it.
0: Fine doesn't equal fun, right? No. And in grief recovery, what do we say about fine? It's feelings inside, not, in, not expressed. Yes. And what my dear listeners, Miss um, Patsy has actually gone through the grief recovery method with me Um, We'll speak to that. Yeah, we'll speak to that in a little bit. But um, I want to also give you the opportunity to share a little bit about how the transition, like how did you get from, okay, well, death came in the room. Oh my gosh, I have all this awareness about how misaligned I feel, like what needs to change in my life. And that transition, can you speak to that transition a little bit and how in terms of the role that grief may have played in yeah. how you process that, how you made it okay with yourself, like how, you know, because it takes courage. It takes courage to yeah, open the door, first of all, and not shut it. You totally. Know, the door was yeah. open. <laughs> it was open. You know? And
1: I, yeah, that's such a great way to continue that analogy it's true I think do you do you
0: feel like because like for me it was like one more loss that like took Mm. me over the edge Mm. like oh my gosh Mm. I am not okay like it's been over 30 years and I've had a lot of loss in between but this next loss like this did it like this is it this is the cherry on top did you have that experience where it was like okay this is it like
1: well I think I think when my friend passed when I learned of my friend's passing that was like the knock on the door and then when the diagnosis when my dad's diagnosis came through that just like burst the door right open and then death was standing there in the room for a year and that's a whole nother like when you talk about the transition when he when he finally passed there was a relief and I think this is another thing that people probably I mean I struggled with too because because his decline his health decline was so slow and just really really hard to witness really hard to witness toward the end i was literally praying for it to be over like for him for us for everyone who was involved like because it was getting to that point of just like peace has to come soon like, this is, this is really challenging, you know? And so inside of that, like, energy, I was also processing change. And in some ways, it was my life had been upended, and part of that was my choice, right? And I had temporarily moved. It was like I was taking – I was only taking one step forward with each new, like, phase. So I moved out into my friend's really tiny bedroom, um, which was basically an oversized closet. I had enough room for a single bed and like a few of my things. Um, and then I moved apart, like I moved um, my office, which was at my home into a little shared workspace. It, it felt like the transitions and change just never, never stopped for that concentrated period of time. How did I meander and like navigate them? I really allowed myself to feel throughout all of it. I'm not really sure. I think. Sorry, it's taking me a long time to answer this question, but I feel like as I'm reflecting on this, knowing my dad was gonna pass, it it created this level of importance, like things that really matter. Like the it brings the things that really matter to the surface, right? And so standing in my truth and having these courageous conversations with my then husband, getting through that alone, I almost like built my strength in that first phase. And so I was like, if I can do that, I can do anything. I have to move again. No big deal. I have to change my office space. No big deal. I have to, you know? And so it's always it's interesting too, that, that, as we talk about grief accumulating that like strength was accumulating for me, my resilience was accumulating and so then when my dad was declining and I was, I was really his primary caregiver for a number of months and we had help from hospice. And then ultimately toward the end, we had another nurse come in to relieve us from nights. And my brother was very present in all of that. My mom was very present in all of that too. And his, his family, but because of the way my schedule worked within the, I had created my own business. I was able to be present frequently for that extended period of time, whereas everybody else's work schedules were, you know. Anyway, being in that actually helped, like all the other transitions actually helped staying present and enough, right? There wasn't that I weren't days of frustration or just like completely like burnout was imminent. I could feel it coming. I knew that there was going to be an end that that phase was temporary and I did my best within that phase to find something to be grateful for every day, even if it was a small thing and to kind of like stay anchored in hope and, and remind myself that there's, I really believe that like life is working out for us, not to us, if we're present to it and engaging with it. And so there was, there was meant to be healing. I was meant to be that person. I didn't aspire to be that person. I never dreamt that I would have that role. It's not even one I wanted, (laughs) but I took it on and it actually was really beautiful in terms of like Healing my relationship with my dad and being able to be in a place of being that caregiver and provider that he always took so you know in pride growing up, does that answer your question, or did I go on a very long tangent?
0: <laughs> no it was, it's great. It actually brought to light another thing that I want to bring to attention to for my reader or listeners, readers, <laughs> listeners is that you had this awareness i and what I hear you saying is that you had an awareness that you can do hard things. Yeah. You know, I can do hard things. Yeah. This is going to be hard. You made it through it. You couldn't, you know, and what does that do for us? That builds our confidence, right?
1: It does. Totally. And even now I'm like, little things happen and that's interesting too. God, we can talk about this for a long time, but like when you're in that, space right where you're you're navigating through the hard things your world becomes really narrow like the things i cared about before i truly i don't care about now like in a lot of ways if i had a false caring for it because i thought i should care about it because somebody somebody else's view influenced like my caring for the thing Mm -hmm. now i'm just like it's so clear to me like where i stand like where the line is drawn And so, which has been a really awesome power tool now, like inner power thing as I'm re, you know, rebuilding my life in which direction I want to go. And I love that you called attention to that because it builds confidence. It builds clarity and just this, this like inner knowing that no matter what the heck comes down the pipe, which I know that's life. Life is going (laughs) to life. Exactly. Life is going to live. There's going to be more hard things. That, that's no question. But I, I'm living knowing that's inevitable, but enjoying the ride. Like actively seeking out the joy inside of that too. Ha- I think really helped um, the density, like alleviate the density that I was feeling in it. Because that, that was com- like ever present. You know, I I, like reflect on it back now and I can, I can immediately get that tightness in my stomach. So I don't think I knew, sorry. I I, I just, I don't think I knew that I was resilient prior to that.
0: You found it within yourself Mm -hmm. in the process. Yeah. I would agree Mm -hmm. the same for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Grief is funny like that, huh? We get these, we get these unexpected And I can hear the, I can just see the eyes roll, you know, the gifts.
1: (laughs) I knew it. I knew it. The gifts of grief.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like, okay. I can see the eyes rolling, you know, but really truly I'm telling you this I'm
1: over 30
0: years, over 30 years. Yeah. I've grieved losses and trauma in my life. And to be able to not be one of those people rolling my eyes <laughs> like <laughs> it is like I can say now I am on the other side of right. grief like it's mm-hmm. no longer in the driver's seat of my life mm-hmm. and that's what I ultimately hear in your message as well is that it's not in the driver's yeah. seat anymore that sucker's in the back it in is. the trunk Locked in, in the, the trunk. trunk. <laughs> not locked in the trunk, but released. It's released. actually, you know, it's, it's That's released. That's a beautiful way to put it. Yeah. I would say it's Absolutely. not even in the car. It's not even in the car. <laughs>
1: it's, it is it is released as, like, it's changed form. Yes. Right? Yes, I, yes. I, I feel I feel like it's changed form and it's definitely lost its... Um,
0: ball and chain to you
1: yeah
0: yeah thank you the leash there you have it yes Mm -hmm. and that's why i'm the unleashed heart it's like Mm -hmm. i was leashed you know i was leashed to this thing i can relate to that
1: absolutely absolutely and i feel like living right so my philosophy on life is to live unleashed that's why we have such alignment and like kinship and immediate friendship and resonance with each other because you can feel free even within constraints. And I think that was sort of my practice too in that space of being the caregiver for my dad was like, how can I access even a moment or a minute of freedom inside this experience? And, and the cool part of that was, you know, there were days, like I said, that I was frustrated that I was praying for it to be a different outcome than it was. And at some point in that journey, I surrendered. I released the expectation of how long it would take. I surrendered to the, like, I accepted, I accepted that this is the journey. Like this is the, this is the path I'm on. And shifted my energy around that. And there was release and relief in the release of that. And he hadn't passed yet. So I, before he passed, there was some sort of shift in my energy around it too.
0: Would you say that you changed how you perceived the situation, like your perception, yeah. like you allowed yourself to be open to a new perspective totally. of what was happening? Totally. Yeah. I too, like, you know, and I was eight when my dad passed away, but he survived. Like he was, he hung on for two years. It's amazing. And he but was that's stage a lot four. Of, he was at yeah. stage four at diagnosis. Yeah. So too, it's, it's. I could actually, I want to go on a whole nother episode on that, on just mm-hmm. like how we, especially if we have not allowed ourselves to process grief, how that totally. impacts the transition for someone who is dying.
1: Oh like my gosh. I, like Right. God, I didn't even think of that, but that's so true.
0: Right. Like so how, true. um, I read a story just recently and I'm not going to get too far into this because this is a whole nother this is a whole episode all by itself Mm -hmm. um, that I want to give it justice to but it really just opened my eyes to to what I read it was talking about how for example let's just say I'm in a room because I actually used to do hospice care home health and hospice Mm -hmm. um, which isn't a surprise to me because I've I've a really long relationship with death in my life. Mm-hmm. So it was no surprise that I, you know, I worked in a nursing home as a certified mm-hmm. nurse assistant. I've been around death all my life. So mm-hmm. what I didn't really consider though was how as we are grieving and if we have not allowed ourselves to process what we're feeling and we're shut off emotionally from what is the reality of what is happening, like our loved one is transitioning, our loved one is actively mm-hmm. dying mm-hmm. and working through that process. If we, how do, it's like, I'm just having this thought, like how does that impact the person who is passing? Like how does, the, mm-hmm. how does our resistance to them passing yes. yes.
1: Impacting
0: them. Like, is that why they're hanging on? Yeah. Is that That's a why, great point? You
1: know, it's a great, great, great point. And that was a whole other thing too, resistance to passing. So my dad definitely held that resistance to passing. I witnessed his, his fear around this. Yes, the fear, right? The fear around it. And so it was interesting, a very interesting exercise for me and, in, in a test of faith as well, because yes, it's bringing up my own stuff, witnessing him reach this point right of his life but also witnessing his his journey of acceptance to this is what's inevitable right and so there there was a strong resistance now it's interesting i wouldn't say he was resistant in the sense that like he's gonna suck the rest of the life out of the time he has here kind of thing like charge forward and quote, live the way I was describing before. But it was like, he didn't want to move because he was afraid it was going to happen. So it was like the opposite end of the spectrum.
0: And can you imagine the grief then that someone who is transitioning is feeling because they cannot emotionally express their fear. They can't Mm. emotionally express what they're experiencing and feeling Mm. because the people in the room are so closed off and resistant to what is happening.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like we don't think about how our energy that we bring to the room in a situation mm-hmm. like that impacts the person who's actually trying to transition. Mm-hmm. And That's I've just like, point. I just had like this total. Yeah. I, I'm so, i like, like dig-
1: full, full body goosebumps on that one. For I'm sure. so
0: digging into this topic more because I think it's so important. Like when I think about, The whole premise of this podcast is to give grievers the opportunity to share their (laughs) grieving story, right? Their grieving voice. Mm -hmm. Someone who's already passed obviously can't, doesn't have that opportunity. But I feel like there's a part of me that needs to be a voice for someone who's transitioning because I've seen it so many times and because I've seen families that are. And
1: you're, sorry, yeah. Go ahead.
0: You know, hearing is one of is the last sense to go, and I just recall
1: mm-hmm. being
0: in rooms where the family's talking like they're not there. That's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. they, can mm-hmm. you. You mm-hmm. they can hear you. Do you? They can hear you. You know, and so it's it's actually bringing to attention what can I do as a loved mm-hmm. one who's watching my loved one transition? What can I do to <sighs> make that okay yes
1: and I I was like seeking those resources in that time Mm. I really was and I feel like I was conscious of his fear and so I I did my best to normalize the process even though I'd never witnessed it before Mm. and to just sit there and be present with him and you know, it's, it's, every relationship is different too, right? And, and every death experience is different. And it was, it was just this really, as sad and hard and like challenging as it was, it was actually, it was, it was, there were some really beautiful moments too, because I hadn't spent that much time with him. I mean, maybe ever in that way, like growing up, as a kid, like he's present, he's there, but he was working and he was, you know, it wasn't like you're, you're sitting with each other for hours at a time for an inevitable, like for an, we don't know how long. Right. So it was just this really interesting shift. It was deep, like an intimate experience, you know? Um, And in some ways I feel like I, yeah, I was there to reassure him that it would be okay, even though I don't freaking know. I had faith that it's going to be okay, that it would be lighter than what he was experiencing in that moment. You know?
0: And when you look back to on that time, it's, do you feel like what a blessing it was that you allowed yourself to have those conversations that you may not have had otherwise or, and it doesn't, I mean, when we do that, it helps to bring emotional completion to certain things. You know, they can, okay. they can transition and, you know, go on to the next life, I, you know, whatever you believe. But, um, and that's another topic in and of itself, too. <laughs> <We're
1: getting laughs> right? A lot of topics out of this conversation. No, I completely agree. Um, the other thing that I, has stuck with me, and I don't know if you'd heard this in your time as a hospice care nurse or just in your experience of life and death one of the nurses said to me and this was really funny and fitting and it actually this probably was the thing that helped me reach that place of acceptance a little bit she said you know in my experience the way you've lived your life is the way you're going to die or is the way you'll pass essentially so your relationship to life is your relationship to death and how you pass. And so for those who, you know, were stubborn, resistance to ch- resistant to change, that sort of thing, it's usually a longer, more stubborn, drawn out process. For those who are really like go with the flow, open to life, open to all of these things, Generally happens more quickly, and I just burst out laughing because that was my dad's personality. He was completely resistant to change. He lived a lot of his life, you know, in that space of right like I, like there was a, f- a general cautiousness about him. He didn't take a heck of a lot of risks. you know, he was very like comfortable in his small little life that and, and not say don't say that to diminish it. Right. But there was a, a level of comfort he did not stray too far out of in his lifetime. And so the fact that, I mean, hospice, we chose the hospice. He chose the hospice route in January and he didn't pass until the middle of late June.
0: Isn't that that's fascinating. It is fascinating. I I wholeheartedly agree with that nurse too. I can I can just think of certain relationships of people mm-hmm. passing and things and and yeah, it, I
1: I would have to And it, yeah, interesting. Agree with that.
0: I think it's actually too. Like I think we live in fear of life mm-hmm. itself. Like we're fearful beings yeah. anyway. Like fear oh, yeah. is a driver of our decisions totally. and Totally. But but I think it is because I think fear is a driver because we have not, we have this emotional dis-ease within us that, I mean, Mm -hmm. we kind of, we've spoken about this before, but it closes us off to our, to living. Like grief puts a veil of our perception of life and our potential and we can't see. We, we, we just can't, we don't see the world as it is. We see it either mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. we want it to be mm-hmm. or how it was.
1: How it was or how we wish it was. How we know. wish yeah. it was,
0: right? Grief yeah. is the loss of hopes, dreams, and it expectations. Is. And anything we wish it would have been different, better, or more. And we get uh-huh. so hung up
1: emotionally
0: mm-hmm. on, on those we do. experiences that cause those feelings,
1: We do. That makes us fearful. Yeah. It's so true. And even in that, it's so interesting you bring that up too. And I think for me, again, it was sort of illuminating and reaffirming to embrace life and enjoy it and like truly live it in the witnessing of my dad's passing and being with him and all that time. And there were moments where he would reflect back on something. And I would have these moments where I was like, wow, you're still holding on to that dad. Mm. Like, so far from my memory, you know, and just, I can't even think of a good example at the moment, but several occasions where I had that awareness where I was like, wow, that has been building. And we talk about energy. Right. And I, I really believe it, like if we can feel our feelings and process and utilize the, the framework that you have exposed me to, which I'm so, so, so grateful for. Um to work through that, to unhinge those hangups that we have, because it gets stuck. Like if I sort of look back in retrospect and sort of what I know of his life and his upbringing and those conditioning and and where that fear got hung up in his life and kind of kept him in place for a long time, no wonder, you know, that Mm, there was this energetic buildup there that led to dis-ease. You know so it's this is fascinating.
0: This is a perfect transition to bring up then the grief recovery work and the grief recovery method that you've experienced because um I feel like for me, I know it connected all of the dots, so, so many, many dots, dots. <laughs> so <laughs> many <things>. dots <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so. Yeah. Can you speak to your experience? Now for the listeners, um, Patsy went through the seven week grief recovery mm-hmm. method online one-on-one with me
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we recently finished up. And so okay. um, yeah, I couldn't think of a better guest than someone who's gone through one gone through the method with me. So can you speak to your experience?
1: Oh gosh. Yes. And I'm so grateful you've asked me to be on because I want the whole world to know about this (laughs) resource that I've, I've known you speak of for as long as I've known you and I've been very intrigued by it. And, um, and then obviously moving through all that I moved through in terms of change and transition in the last couple of years, it was, it is the perfect tool for continuing to process and re release really so much residual emotional. I want to, I don't even have a word for it. You see me using my hands energy, energy, energy Energy. that, and I shared with you at the beginning that like, I knew this would be beneficial. I was open to the process, but I also wasn't feeling in my day-to-day life that I was um, weighed down to the point of not living, right? Like I didn't feel like I was stuck in grief per se when we started this process. But let me tell you what this process has done is like taken that relief it's elevated the relief and provided just this new layer of peace I didn't even realize I needed. Like I knew I needed I, I knew it would be beneficial but I didn't recognize like really truly how beneficial it would be. And part of the process is yes, acknowledging death, but really reorienting our definition of grief itself, which is loss and change, right? Of expectations, you just went through it so beautifully. And it helped me see just how much change I've gone through in my lifetime, not just concentrated to the last two years, but really helped me provide perspective and reach a new sense of compassion within myself for all that I endured and was never labeling as grief. And so that was amazing because it was like, oh, this residual energy has has been taking up space inside me all this time. And I didn't even really realize it. And I'm somebody who has been actively seeking um, and putting myself in the way of self-development work for a long time now, like over a decade probably being active in that space of, awareness and unpacking and un- unbecoming as our mutual friend talks about. Um, and so I found this so beneficial, not only for, to kind of unpack the last couple of years, specific relationships and knowing that now this framework can be used forevermore. That is like exciting me beyond measure. Um, and the work that I didn't expect actually Well, I had a little bit of an inkling because we, you know, we're friends. and We've been talking about it, but the work around um, grief within relationships that are still present today. So with the living relationships with the living, that was a game changer, has been a game changer. Um, And I think prior to meeting you, I would have guessed that the work would have been done around relationships of people who have passed.
0: Well, and we often don't see what we're feeling with re- in terms of re- our – when we think about our relationships with the living, we often don't think about no. what we're experiencing as – As grief. grief, exactly. Right? But again, yeah. the definition of grief recovery – institute defines grief is the loss of hopes dreams and expectations and anything we wish would have been different better or more or would be different better or more and so that's where like with the living when you have this like aha like okay well they're never going to change Mm -hmm. sometimes especially with family we can't choose who our family Mm -hmm. is but it is going through this process and doing this work i know for me i was able to then look at that relationship with a new perspective totally compassion
1: compassion such a big one yes. such a big one
0: instead of being filled with anger or resentment right. it's it's not like, condoning no it's not like dismissing what has been done to hurt you or anything like that it is what this did for me and i you can speak to it for yourself as well after i share but it ah that's why that's mm-hmm. why that person does this that's mm-hmm. why because we when we look back on the relationship and how we grew up how we grew up is how our parents grew up grew up <laughs> <laughs> because this cycle which is why let's talk about grief like we talk about the weather let's kind of address the elephant in the room, yeah. in, our, in our hearts, in our heads, in our homes, like this is our pandemic. <laughs> I say that. Yes. Agree, it's yes. our pandemic. Yes. Let's, yes. let's address this thing so that this cycle stops, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: so that we don't continue to teach and be the right. example of what it is, what is harming us in the long totally.
1: run. Totally. I mean, I'm not a parent, yet God willing someday if that works out for me. I feel like every parent or new coming parent (laughs) should go through this work truly like it is, it is life changing and it will change the relationships with the living you have today. Because as we talked about reaching that new perspective or that new level of something shifted an energetic shift happened when I was coming to accept my dad's death and his, his path to death, right? The way he passed and all of that. When you reach a level of acceptance for another person who's living, it immediately changes the dynamic within the relationship and they don't even know how or why it changed. That's the beauty of this work too. You're not forced to face someone unwillingly who may not accept what you have to say. This is an internal process and such a gift to be able to sit and feel witnessed and heard and seen from a, a loving individual, yourself in this case, who I love so much, you, you call it a heart with ears, yes, right? finding someone who is a heart with ears. So to bear witness to your story, to what you're uncovering, to your emotion, to all of that in a way that feels very safe and um, yeah, loving. That's the the word that keeps coming where, and and what's really amazing to me too. And obviously we, technology is so incredible that we could do this and be in different states, but still feel that, presence of acceptance and reassurance that like you know your feelings are valid and both of both like you know polarities exist in the same moment regardless of circumstance or person or experience right like we can we can honor and hold space for the way we were feeling but also see how someone else's perspective would create a feeling within them and acknowledge that too and so there's so much healing in that. And the magical part is you don't even have to have those conversations with the person you're processing your grief right. around. Isn't that amazing? That is just it's amazing. so incredible. It's so incredible. Um, so thank you <laughs> for exposing me to this. I, I, I just feel it's so powerful. And seven weeks is nothing in the realm of things.
0: Blue just flies it flies right
1: that was crazy i look back and i'm like what i feel like we just got started so yeah i feel i feel like an, an inner peace as a result of the work
0: and you have the tools in your backpack right in your back pocket for the rest of your right. life now right exactly and the knowledge right to bring to other people yes. to bring to other relationships mm-hmm. to create ripples in your life right? That's that's what this does. This work creates ripples. When we do the work on ourselves, it creates ripples.
1: It really does because that whole idea of resistance, right? Like if you're resistant, resisting and engage, you know, like say for example, like, okay, I'm going to see my mom this weekend. And then there's resistance around that because you're already anticipating like how this is going to go. Right. Yeah you create more angst, like there, are you just create more resistance. Like nothing is running smoothly. You're, you're like, this is, you know, just talking off the cuff. Play. But anybody can relate to that where.
0: Yep. You create a story. The story's you already. You create a eaten. story.
1: The story is playing out. It's already written. You can already see it going. And then sure enough, there you are having the argument in the kitchen again, whatever. Yep. If you show up to that weekend, just accepting and like knowing, like, this is how it is like I've laughed more and I'm I don't know if anybody's ever going to see the backdrop, but I'm here in Maine where my family is this week and I just moved into a tiny cabin I had been living in my mom and grandmother's home for the last week and a half and it's really interesting to witness their their relationship they share a home together and the resistance they both have but ultimately really want the same thing Mm -hmm. You know, and so, and I brought a new level of acceptance to the situation, the circumstance, you know, the circumstance and just the dynamic, knowing what I was walking into, it was just like, all right, here we go. I've laughed more this week than I have felt frustrated. And what
0: do you think that does for creating connection?
1: The thing that everybody wants. Exactly. It's like fuses it It's instantaneous. Yes. yes. You know?
0: How can we connect with other people when we got these residual stories already playing out in our minds of what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, what's going to be said, and we're just going to leave our spaces and be annoyed with each other and irritated. And where's the connection then?
1: There isn't. There isn't. Ugh. And that's the beauty in it. You know, that is the beauty of it. Um, so powerful.
0: So I want to, we, I think we're like this amazing conversation could go on for hours. I'm sure. Hours. But I do want to get to one question. What is the best piece of advice you ever received when you were deep in your grief?
1: Oof. Um, to feel it and to just remember that it's temporary. Like it's I almost started to embody it like, okay, a wave would wash over me and I would allow it to come up and through me. Right. Like I didn't resist. If I if I if something struck me and brought me to tears, I like allowed myself to cry it out. If something struck me and brought me to laughter, I would allow right. I would sort of like lean into it knowing that it was sort of temporary and it felt like I could go with the flow of the waves. Actually I became the wave a little bit as opposed to like swimming against it, um, or resisting it. That helped a lot. And also um, we've talked about this a lot because you are a heart with ears. This is the work that you do. If you have someone in your life that can be that for you, like you recognize that they have the capacity to hold space for you in that way, have that vulnerable conversation to ask them to be that in moments when you need it. Because sometimes you just need to be You just need a heart with yours. You just need to shout it out or cry it out or have somebody sit with you in that pain. And that's not a job for everybody. And there's also, I think, a certain level of, well, there's certainly a level of deep vulnerability that comes with sharing a space like that with someone. So the importance of safety comes to mind, you know, like feeling like you can do that without being judged, right?
0: Um, Which is the whole premise of grief recovery work? This method is a structured, safe environment. It's incredible.
1: Yeah. It's incredible. And um, what do you
0: think is a characteristic of someone who, that's a great you know, if question. someone's sitting here listening to this, they're driving down the road and they're like thinking in their mind, well, who could, who is in my life that would, would be that for me or could be that for me? What do you think is a characteristic of that person? I have something in mind, but I'm curious what your answer is. Mm,
1: I can't wait to hear yours. First thing that comes to mind is that person, a person who is, is championing you. Like for me, my friend Deb comes to mind and it's like, she will always fight for my most evolved self. So like in moments of doubt, so if we're not talking necessarily about the pain of loss, but we're talking about, okay, making a decision or something and I'm I'm doubting myself or I'm starting to like lean toward, um, lean into like programming i would received over time. There's this intimate level of like, she sees me in my, she sees the truth underneath whatever I may be presenting to her. And so she... She's going to hold me to that truth. She's not going to just accept what I'm saying for face value or tell me what I want to hear necessarily, right? Like to keep me safe or it's comfortable. So it's the person that calls you on your BS. Yes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um,
0: And also too, I think we had talked earlier before, but the one thing too, I thought was that I... I picked up on that you said that I think is an important characteristic and this is yours. So it's not mine, but it's yours, but it's something I want to bring to attention for our listeners is that it's someone who asks you, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: how can I be there for you? Mm -hmm. How do I like, what does it look like for me to be there for Like, do you need, just need me to sit here and listen? Do you need me to, Mm -hmm. do you want my insight? Like, asks you, like they ask you what you need. And I think that was a very important characteristic that you brought to light on a, on a relationship that you have in your life of someone who would be a good heart with ears for you.
1: Absolutely. And there's a level of self-awareness that they have, right. Within themselves. So.
0: Ooh, that's good too. Like they've maybe done some personal development Mm -hmm. work themselves and You know, like you said, have a sense of
1: awareness, sense of awareness because it's like, you know, if I if I call and I think of this in reverse too, like, how have I been able to be that person for others in my life? But if the person is, you know, however, however way the exchange unfolds, if I'm the one calling you and I'm in tears, right? Sometimes I don't even know what I need, so that's one thing, but to have like to you as the heart with ears to have the awareness that those tears aren't about you. Right? Or like am I sometimes I find myself in this dance because so often we we do share experiences. All of our in, all of our experiences are individual, but there's a commonality or a resonance in some of the life experiences that we have, right? As humans. So there can be a tendency within myself, to want to share the experience I've had that may be similar, right, mm-hmm. to yours. But it, in these, I think specifically around processing grief, it's recognizing, again, what, what's most helpful and asking that question as opposed to projecting onto that person like, oh, I know exactly how you feel.
0: Yes, well,
1: yep. you know what I mean.
0: Which is what we tend to do in grief is we tend to compare yeah. losses and yeah. yeah, and try to create a connection, right? Where you may not feel a connection in that area right. of life, you know? Right,
1: right, right.
0: So. <sighs> so good, such a good conversation. Is there anything else that? Well, first of all, you are you had talked about your business, you know, business transition. If someone is interested in reaching out to you based on something you shared or um, can feel a connection to you in some way, listening and hearing your grieving voice, where mm-hmm. can they find you, Patsy?
1: Oh, good question. Um, I am rebuilding a business called and Celebrate, and I'm on Instagram over there at... And celebrate the word and spelled out Andy celebrate and uh, my website is coming soon there's a it's exciting time because it's it's in creation right now um, and much of what I will be talking about through that platform really has, has a lot of key themes to what we talked about today um, it, my vision is to create a platform that celebrates the human experience in all its messy, glorious, triumphant, but not so sun, sunshiny, magical moments, you know, um, and to be sharing human, human stories and um, expression of what it's like to live. Um, and so you can find me over there. And then my email address is patsy at
0: Wonderful. I absolutely cannot wait to see and celebrate make its renewed debut. Thank it'll you. Be amazing, just like you, inside out. So, because mm. I have no doubt it is a direct expression of who you are. Mm. Beautiful mm. inside thank and you. out. So, mm. thank you for being a friend. Oh,
1: thank you. Thank for- you. <laughs> Thank you
0: for being my first guest.
1: I'm so honored. Thank you for having podcast. me.
0: Thank you for trusting in me to walk you through the mm. grief recovery and to be there for you in that way. And for sharing all with me that you have. Um, mm. And thank you for sharing your grieving voice with my listeners today. So thank have you, a wonderful Victoria. day. Yes, you're welcome. And thank you for listening. Um, we'll be back next week with another interview I'm so excited
1: (laughs) incredible I can't wait to continue listening to the grieving voices you host here on this platform
0: thank you so much Patsy from my heart to yours thank you for listening if you like this episode please share it because sharing is caring and until next time give and share compassion by being a heart with ears And if you're hurting, know that what you're feeling is normal and natural. Much love, my friend.